I want to continue with what we've been talking about with Dr. J and then Pastor Greg last week of God's intended purpose, the glory of God. God's desire from the beginning of creation, his intended purpose was to have a people that display his abiding presence. In Greek, it's maneo. It means to take down roots. It's to abide in him and he will abide in us. It's to be the distinguishing mark of the church. We are to be people of his presence. I don't know how to do church without his presence. I've gone to a gazillion church growth seminars and I walk out of many of them going, I can never do church that way. I'm not interested in, in candy coating the scripture or just you know, cookie cutter. I love the fact that God uses a variety of means, but the fact is vintage passion is to be people of his presence. Not gimmicks, not showmanship, but, but anointed worship and hopefully anointed teaching where we walk out and it gives us practical ways that we can live and love each other and love the world. And people both individually and corporately, if you're part of vintage, you are saying, I want to be in my own life a person of his presence. And then when we come together, and what the church is known for is people of his presence. I hate the term spiritual and secular, or that's your secular job, or, or that's your secular work, or whatever. It's like being a little pregnant, ladies. You're either pregnant or you're not. You know, Even when you're not showing, you know when you eat something, it doesn't taste the same, and other, your smells aren't the same. You're getting, your husband's getting up at the middle of the night to get you something. The fact is, when you're pregnant, you're pregnant. If you're a Christian, everything you do should have Jesus in it somehow. Because you carry him, you carry the presence, God with us. Remember the quote from last week, Christ waits to be wanted by Tozer, who's one of my favorite authors. Let's take a glimpse at somebody who waited on God and God allowed him to sense his presence. A guy by the name of Moses. Moses means drawing out. How many know the meaning of your name? When I dedicate babies, one of the things I do in that dedication, I'm holding them, that's why I did this, is I find out the meaning of their name and I believe there's a spiritual characteristic of their name and there's a prophetic aspect of their name. God told me when I was in Bible college, a very young man, I was praying and seeking his face one time. He says, Gary, I'm gonna thrust you into new things. Unbeknownst to me, my name means spearhead or spearman. And I've been a church planner. I've been a church restorer. I've been thrust into new things. God has opened doors for me in the sense of newness. And I love that. But Moses means drawing out. And it means drawing out because his parents, by faith, it says in Hebrews, laid him in a basket that was covered inside and out with pitch. It's the same word used with Noah making the boat. The, the wood of the boat was covered inside and out with pitch. The word pitch is the Hebrew word for atonement. It's the idea of the wood representing humanity covered by God. And so he was covered by God, put in this basket, and I love stories like this. He just happened to be placed by faith in the river where God were going to trust. Think about this as a mother. We're going to trust you to take this baby where it should go. And he and Pharaoh's sister or uh, daughter was standing there and sees this baby floating down or sees this basket and knows that something's moving, probably crying. 
and she picks it up and then they hire Moses's mother to raise her own baby and she gets paid for it. I mean, how many think that's remarkable? How many have seen God open and close doors like just amazing stuff? By faith, you put the baby in the basket. By faith, you put it in the river. By faith, God gives back to you your own child. And by faith, you raise him and then give him back to Pharaoh. And it says in Acts 7, he learned all of the ways of Pharaoh, but he chose to endure the ill treatment with the people of God rather than passing pleasures of sin. That's the God we serve. And Moses means drawing out because he was drawn out of the river. He was a guy that always wanted more. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Sorry. How many of you ever pick up your Bible and stuff falls out of it? Yeah. How many of you have had a bookmark in your Bible for the last three months because it's the last place you... I won't, we won't go there. Yeah. That's happened too to me. I'm sorry. Yes, it's true. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me take these people up from the promised land but you haven't told me with whom you're going to send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways, not your acts, your ways, that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. I love God's response in verse 14. I will personally... The great I am, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everybody look at me. And everything's going to be fine with you. How many would like to hear that word? Guess what? You just did. Because if God is with you, everything's going to be okay. My dad had that dumb trout on the wall. And he got in his 80s and thought it was cute to push the button maybe 100 times. And then the little grandkids thought it was cuter. And so by the time I was done eating, I wanted to kill whatever Billy the Bass or whatever his name was. Or Bobby the Trout or Willie. What was his name? Yeah, Billy the Bass. Okay, that's what somebody shouted out. I called him Wilbur. But anyway, Bob Marley had it right. Everything's going to be okay. You don't have to worry about a thing. Why? Because you have it all together? No, but because God is with you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence sets us, for, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people of the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you ask. I look favorably on you, and I know your name. The New International says this, What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? What is it? The presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us. I found three keys to develop this type of hunger and passion that Moses had. There's this, God drew Moses out, and then Moses had a drawing of God. If you draw near to me, I will what? Draw near to you. It's that idea. Moses drew out from God. God drew out from Moses. And that's what happens in our life. But the first key is this. My hunger for God, listen to me, does capital not 
My hunger for God does not determine God's love for me. We must know experientially, know, not head knowledge, but heart, that we already possess God's grace and God's favor. So many times when you hear Psalms 24 that Pastor Greg read to start the service, or we talk about a hunger and thirst, all we do is kind of shrink back and go, I don't measure up. I know you don't, I do. My wife and I do. I don't want to indict you. But I shrink back because I understand I don't, I don't seek God like I should. I know there's more. I know I could do more. I know I could pray more. I know I could read my Bible more. I know I could be better than my wife and my dogs because right now I don't have any other family with living with me. I know that, you know, I could, I could do stuff differently. I could be a better come. You know, have you ever heard this? He, he, he's a good Christian man. What the heck's that mean? You know? It's because you walk in righteousness, because you treat people with respect. What about the grocery line? What about the post office? How about this one? What about your car? How many are sanctified in your car? How many need a little more Jesus besides me and my car? I, listen to me. I've been in, in Fort Collins for two months. I get a ticket in the mail. I haven't had a ticket literally for like 30 years. I get a ticket in my pictures. I'm smiling. I'm listening to music. I'm listening to music. I listen to worship music, and I got a picture. They sent me my picture in my car. I'm just thanking Jesus, driving my car, driving my car. I didn't know it was 30 or 25. I'm going 33, and they gave me a ticket. And it wasn't even in, in a school zone, because I never drive fast in a school zone. I'm like, give me a break. You took my picture and sent me a ticket for going eight miles over Bless you, Fort Collins. Bless you. I didn't know. It went from 40 to 35 to 25 and just like that, and I didn't know it. You know, I'm just driving, worshiping Jesus. So anyway, guess what I've done since I got the ticket? Slow down. Anyway, I paid it. I haven't paid it yet because I just got it. Because they sent, I still, sorry, still have California plates, so they sent it to my address in California, and then it came back. So anyway... So many times how so many times I equate God's love for me with how spiritual I am. But may I propose that Moses' passion was drawn out because he already knew through experience that he was the one who was drawn out? John Wesley was saved from a burning house. And I don't have this on my notes. I felt like the Lord dropped this in my heart this morning. Jot down Zechariah chapter three and read it this week. In Zechariah chapter 3, Joshua, the priest, was feeling guilty, and Satan stood to accuse him. And the angel of the Lord came and stood between Joshua and the accuser and said, put a clean robe on him because he was dirty. Put a clean turban on his head because he was uh, uncovered. And the fact is, John Wesley, as a young man, I believe at age 7, was was saved from a burning house. And his mother said to him, John, you are a brand plucked from the fire. Because the angel of the Lord said, Joshua, I have taken you out of the fire. I've plucked you from the fire. Everybody look at me. Every one of us in this room have been plucked from the fire. Every one of us in this room have been called by God. Every one of us in this room, I love this. It says, God knows your name. 
He said to Moses five times, or four times in these five verses, I've looked favorably on you. I've looked favorably on you. I've looked favorably on you. And then he says this, God Almighty, the God of the universe, I'm excited. The God of the universe says this, I have looked favorably upon you, Gary Peters, and I know your name. Matter of fact, he told Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew your name. And before you were born, Jeremiah, I called you to the nations. I want to tell you something. Every one of us in this room, every person that's walked this planet, whether they knew God ever in their life, the fact is God knew your name. God knew when you were going to be born. God knows everything about you. He says he's intimately acquainted in all my ways, and yet he has not rejected me. What's going to draw you into the presence of God is knowing that God has already accepted you. You're not being drawn into the presence to be get more holy, to become more righteous, to become all of these things. You're being drawn into the presence of God because he loves you and you understand that love and you reciprocate that love back to him. The drawing out, I love it. The second thing, I mean, Moses leveraged those two facts and says, okay, God, if you know me, then do me a couple things. Don't leave me. I don't want to go anywhere you aren't taking me. The second thing we've got to do is my hunger for God must affect my decision making. I'm not talking about where do I go tomorrow. I'm talking about how I live tomorrow. If I am a person that understands the presence, it will change the way I live. You know what drives me nuts? When Christians don't tip. What drives me nuts when Christians push their buggy into the bush after they've gotten their groceries instead of walking 20 yards to put it back where it belongs because somebody that's making minimum wage is going to have to pick up that cart that you were too lazy to move. Sorry, I'm meddling now. I understand that. But I'm talking about practical ways that we can show righteousness to people. I guarantee you, all of you tomorrow are going to go, oh, doggone it, Pastor Gary. Because <laughs> I've done it. I preached it, and then I'm like, you got to practice what you preach, boy. I know you're in a hurry, but that doesn't go in the bushes. That doesn't go in the medium of the parking lot. That goes back in the place where it says, carts belong here. How many of us act like a Christian when you're at work? How many of us act like a Christian when we're on the ball field? How many of us act like a Christian when we're walking down the street? When somebody cuts us off, I'm talking about practical decision-making, but then you take it a step further. God, I cannot live without you. I must have your presence guide me. Now, in Moses' day, it was a pillar of cloud by day because he didn't want him to get sunburnt, and it was a pillar of fire by night because it kept him warm. Because if you've ever been in the desert at night, even though it can get a gazillion degrees in the, in the day, it can get cold at night. I would love to say, okay, there's the cloud. Let's all walk. But I want to tell you something. I have something greater than the cloud that's only a sign. When I know his ways, I'm not interested in just his acts. The spirit of God resides in me. Think about it. Jesus said, let there be and there was. The Spirit went forth and brought forth life. He's spoken into existence. And the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And it should affect the way I treat people and how I live. 
It says, a righteous man considers his beast in Proverbs. How do you treat your pets? That's another sermon. Anyway, it affects everything in our life. Some of us treat our pets better than our spouses. Do you wait and ask for God's directive? Do you wait for God's directive? Now, I've met, we've all met Christians that, you know, I, I woke up this morning, I asked Jesus, what color socks you want me to put on today, Lord? I'm telling, that's weird. If you do that, I'm sorry. But I, I think Jesus sometimes says, I don't care, just wear socks. You know, or, or don't wear socks. Just, there's, there's sanctified common sense that God gives us. I call it sanctified, because he's given us a brain. He hasn't told you to turn off your brain. By asking him for direction doesn't mean you turn off your brain. It means you allow him to speak to you and direct you. Now, I know sometimes he'll tell you to put on a, a, a green sweater or something, I guess. But most of the time for me, it's not that way. It's like, get dressed. Lord, uh, normally this is what happens. Honey, can I go outside? Dress like this. So, um... <laughs> I mean, you think I'm 39 years, happy wife, happy life. And it's the truth. It's normally like, what do you think? Okay, no, that doesn't work. You're not going to start dressing like your dad. So anyway, the third thing is this. My hunger for God is drawn out of times in the secret place. The bush is burning. I love where the scripture says, because there was spontaneous combustion that went on in, in the desert. So we all think, well, if I saw a burning bush, I'd stop. To Moses, he saw, it wasn't that big of a deal sometimes. But it says he stopped and turned to it a second time. Then the Lord spoke to him. I often wonder what happens if he would have walked by the bush. But he turned to it. Allowing God to get our attention to where we turn into him. Some of us are going through things right now that God is wanting us to turn into him. Has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or whether he loves you. Nothing. I want to tell you something. Everybody look at me. Every sin you have or will ever commit has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not a hyper-Calvinist, but the longer I've walked with him, the more I realize I'm eternally secure, but there is a line out there I can't cross. But I was raised where you jump in and out of salvation, jump in and out of salvation. I want to tell you something. God loves you regardless of what you do. Always. So my desire for him in the secret place is not to gain brownie points so God will answer my prayer. But it's so that I can get to know him. So that he can draw out of me and I can draw out of him. He can draw out of me, and I can draw out of him. Somebody came up to me after the first service with a baby and said, thank you so much, I needed that sermon. And I said, can you imagine you reject, I don't like this kid, I'm just throw him off, so, you know, I'm not gonna like this kid anymore. And yet we being evil know how to love our kids. I remember when, when my wife was pregnant with our second child and we didn't have an ultrasound because we didn't know what they were, and um, back then. And so we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl, but it was freaking me out because I'm like, I love this baby boy that's two so much. How am I going to love this new child? How am I going to be able to do this? And I love them both the same, but different. Yeah. Right? And that's about, God loves us all the same, but different because you are a different personality. You have different DNA. You have a different fingerprint. Your, your hair color is different. I'm just telling you, God loves you just the way you are. 
And he always will. So when I go into the secret place, I, I wish it was like this all the time. It's not cha-ching, God, answer this. Cha-ching, God, answer that. And I got, oh, I got four cherries. I'm going to have a jackpot on this one. Why? Because I've been righteous all week. I've prayed. I've treated my wife okay. I didn't get mad at anybody. And I didn't have my picture taken by Fort Collins police. And so I'm okay with God and they're okay with me. And so therefore I can seek the Lord and he's going to answer my prayer. Proverbs 3.13 says this. How blessed is the man who obtains wisdom and the man who gains understanding. In the Hebrew, the word is Adam, which means both male and female. How blessed is the person who obtains wisdom and who gains understanding. Wisdom is this. It's seeing God's point of view. How many right now the world needs to see God's point of view? We as believers need to see God's point of view, Correct. So I obtain, that means I search for, but I obtain the wisdom of God. And then understanding is this. Understanding is applying that wisdom to my life. So I see God's point of view and I understand it so that I apply that wisdom to the situations I face. That's what I want to leave you with. The secret place is this. I become like I know him more. I spend more time with him so that I understand how he works. And then I apply that in my life. And that's how I treat people. That's how I make decisions. That's how I work. That's how I live. Why? Because I've spent time. I know Pastor Greg has stole this. Well, one day the Lord really spoke to me. He said, Gary, there are 96, I counted them up, 96 15-minute periods. I will harp on this till the day I die. 96 15-minute periods in a day. Give one. Start with one. Spend 15 minutes reading the scripture. You can read cover to cover in 15 minutes a day. I've done it for years. If you're not doing anything, don't say I'm going to get up at four and seek God tomorrow morning. I'm going to give him a tenth of my time, so I'm going to give him 2.4 hours. You'll be asleep at 4.15, and then the next day it'll be even harder because you're more condemned because you didn't do it. Give God 15. Watch 15 turn into 30. 30 turn into 45. And pretty soon you're like, we pray for an hour on Wednesday night? How the heck do you do that? You know, I go through my prayer list in five minutes, and then I'm done. Okay, how about just sitting in his presence sometime? God, what do you want from me? What do you want to tell me today? What do you want to whisper in my ear? That's the kind of relationship God wants to give you. And you know what? After walking with him for 40 plus years, 44 years, I have not regretted it. And there has not been a time where I needed comfort. I needed something that I haven't went into the secret place and received. I'm telling you, not once. Begin to worship. Begin to tell him back God, this is who you are to me. And all of a sudden, my burden, I have a different perspective. It's like being in a jetliner and flying over Kansas. You see those farms look a lot different, right? That's the perspective God wants to give you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, thank you that you love me, you know my name, you know every person's name. You know everything about them. You know the DNA you gave them. You know their family lineage. 
God, you know when they were born and why they were born. And yet, God, you want to love us in such a way that, God, we will express that to others, that there's purpose in life. There's a hunger that God has given each one of us. Let's enjoy it. Let's go forth and do what he's asked us to do. Father, give us that understanding that you are drawing out of us so we can draw out of you. 